Hi, it's Hal Anderson. Thanks for checking out the daily podcast for my show, Connecting Winnipeg. And if you can, please listen live weekdays from 10 to noon on 680 CJOB. The big story this morning. The U.S. border will reopen early next month to non-essential land travel. Global News reporter Jackson Prosco is in Washington, D.C. He joins us now with more on this story. Good morning, Jackson. Good morning. Well, the big thing to keep in mind, of course, is that the border is only opening to fully vaccinated non-essential travelers. That means you will need to be vaccinated if you're crossing by land, which aligns with, of course, U.S. plans to require all inbound international air travelers to also be vaccinated on that same November date. Again, the date is uh, yet to be set. It'll be sometime in November. And this is also going to unroll in two stages for the border. Right now, essential workers, people like truck drivers, uh, healthcare professionals, will not need to be vaccinated, but they will by January, by a secondary date, at which point everyone crossing into the United States from Canada, no matter how they do it, will need to be vaccinated. And so, Jackson, will everyone who crosses the border then be asked to show proof of vaccination? Well, we know the U.S. is not going to be as strict about this as Canadian officials. There's no equivalent, for example, of the ArriveCan app, which is the app you use right now to upload your vaccination certificate in advance and to schedule your arrival at the border. Instead, we understand from the White House that Customs and Border Protection officers will simply ask people if they are vaccinated. They may choose then to send people to secondary inspection, and it's only in that second secondary inspection where you would be asked to provide proof either in terms of your paper vaccination record or some sort of digital electronic certificate showing that you've been vaccinated, uh, but really far less stringent than what Canada does right now. And finally, what about people like me? I have two different vaccines, one of them AstraZeneca. You know, this is something we uh, asked the White House last night, and senior administration officials say it's actually up to the Centers for Disease Control. It is something, though, that they are conscious of and trying to figure out, because Canadians are not the only international citizens who've had mixed dosing over the course of this pandemic. And so they're trying to figure out how exactly to work this, what vaccines to accept. It seems quite likely that they'll go down the path of accepting all WHO-approved vaccines, That includes AstraZeneca, which is not currently approved in the United States, but is WHO approved. But again, the question of how they deal with mix and match dosing is something that still has to be worked out. All right. Thank you, Jackson. Jackson Prosco, Global News reporter Jackson Prosco, joining us from Washington this morning. I'll tell you who's happy about this. Barry Wilford, the president of the Chamber of Commerce down in Grand Forks. Barry, good morning. Hey, good morning, Hal. We were talking about this date. We don't know the exact date yet, but early next month, likely, uh, the border will reopen to land travel, non-essential land travel. I know we were talking, oh, I don't know, a few weeks ago about this. You guys are anxious to have us back. Oh, we're so excited. This is such great news for the Grand Forks business community. We've been missing the Manitoba plates in all of our parking lots. We were talking about it this morning. It's going to be so so exciting to see Manitoba license plates uh, in every one of our parking lots here in Grand Forks again. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. How much of um, our business is your business? Like when, when Canadians come down there, what's the number for your businesses down there? I imagine in restaurants and, and hotels, hospitality, it's higher. But how much do you rely on Canadians coming down there? It, of course, it's all business dependent. Um, our hotels, Anywhere from 40 to 50% of their rooms are typically Canadian. So 
Um, they are really still feeling the pinch with the border still closed here now, so mid-November. Um, so they are going to be the most excited to have the Canadian travel back. Um, but even our retailers, you know, the Targets, the Menards, some of those big boxes, they can be anywhere to 15 to 25% of their total sales are to Canadians. So this will be a big boost in the arm for the Grand Forks, East Grand Forks economies. How tough has it been on your uh, business district there in Grand Forks? Uh, here in, in when we're going to talk about this later on, we've got some government business supports that are coming to an end unless they get extended. And I know uh, some business people here are saying that that could mean some more go under. What about down there? How has your business community gotten through all of this? You know, the, the motels, we've seen a couple of our, of our motels have closed. Um, we've had a couple of our restaurants who weren't necessarily doing all that well in the first place that this has forced them to close. But the PPP uh, program that the United States had in place um, helped most of our businesses weather this. So from a a choice perspective and a selection perspective, I think the the Canadian customers will be pleased to see that really it's pretty much where it was um, pre-pandemic. Um, we've also had a lot of new businesses open in our in our downtown area in particular. So um, we're excited about uh, border opening and our friends from Winnipeg coming back. So if Winnipegers and Manitobans do, and we're going to talk about this, whether just because the border opens doesn't mean people are going to cross it, but we'll, we'll talk about that later. If we do come down in numbers where business increases, are you ready? Have you got the staff to deal with the extra people? You know, that's a good question. You know, we have had, obviously, there are help-wanted signs out literally everywhere. Um, but most of our restaurants, most of our businesses have been innovative in terms of they, they've shaved a few hours off early in their schedule or maybe an hour, they'll close an hour later, and they've been able to make some adjustments to really accommodate the peak um, times that they've got customers. So I don't think you'll really notice um, any difference from the service level um, than we've been used to. Um, but it is certainly a challenge for every business um, in the states, every business really across the globe, to try to find enough people who are willing to work. Barry Wilford, thanks very much for this. Appreciate it. Hey, you have a great day. You too. Barry is the president of the Grand Forks Chamber of Commerce. Our question of the day at cjob.com relates to this. Uh, more, here's the question, more fully immunized canadians will be able to visit the u.s next month heading south anytime soon hmm? especially with the land border now set to reopen 43 percent say never 41 percent say eventually and only about 16 percent are saying absolutely and this is making the point that i was getting at with barry uh, just because the border reopens to non-essential land travel doesn't mean people are necessarily going to make the trip uh, number one answer so far, never. Uh, some people saying, uh-uh, not, not going to happen. Uh, 41% saying eventually and just 16% say absolutely, can't wait. Uh, they'll be at the border when it reopens. Now, we're going to carry on this conversation. I, I had a thought this morning. Um, listen, I, I like, uh, and I don't, when I made trips down to Grand Forks or Fargo, I made those trips you know, to get it at town, get it at Dodge for a couple of days, right? I mean, I didn't go down for great deals with the exchange on the dollar, and, you know, we can get much of what you can get there here. And so it became a sort of a, a get out of town for a weekend kind of thing. That's what it was for me. 
let's talk about this weather. Global News Weather Specialist Kayla Evans joins us on the line. Hi, Kayla. Hey, Hal. So um, this is a Colorado low, correct? Correct, yes. That's exactly what we've been keeping our eye on. Well, for about the last 24 hours or so now. Mm-hmm. And uh, listen, if the temperature was a little bit different, we would be talking snow as opposed to rain. And I guess snow is possible in some areas, probably though west of us, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we're not ruling out the chance of a bit of a snow rain mix, but it looks like that sort of situation for our friends in Saskatchewan and then more to sort of central and then northern Manitoba. Mm -hmm. How much rain will we be getting? Right now, most models are showing anywhere from really the 20 to 40 millimeter range, but there is one model that shows um, just to the east of Brandon, some communities there uh, they're in the purple, and right now purple is 65 millimeters. So hmm. um, not very likely. It's just this one model I'm looking at right now, but not ruling out that potential completely. And you know what's funny about this, Kayla? We had such a dry summer, right? One of the driest ever. And in the past several weeks, you know, even just a few weeks, we've had more rain than we ever could have imagined. And and I think this is good news for farmers out there because we haven't had a solid freeze yet. And so this rain that we get now over the next couple of days will end up in the ground. It will be there for spring. That's not only for the farmers too, but I was speaking to one of our favorites, uh, Carla Hersena down at St. Mary's Nursery and Garden Center. And she was mm-hmm. saying, even if you have trees, a lot of folks did a lot of planting this year, being at home, you know, you're refreshing your backyard kind of thing. Uh, that yeah, it's put moisture. So if you planted some trees this year, you don't even have to be watering them as much lately with all the, the soakings that we've had and the soaking we're going to get. So it looks like we're in pretty good shape, all things considered what we've had. Sure. Kayla, thanks a lot for this. Thank you. Take care. Global News Weather Specialist Kayla Evans. Yeah, listen, uh, you know, we could see a bit of snow mixed in with the rain, uh, depending on the temperature and depending on, on where you're at. But this Colorado low, right, we've all heard of the Colorado lows, and we know what they can do, so I think we should be thankful that we're going to get some precipitation. As I said, Captain Kirk, William Shatner, is back on the ground after his quick trip into space. We're going to talk about that now. Space, my final frontier. These are the voyages of the oddly shaped starship Blue Origin. Its continuing mission to take B-list celebrities into zero gravity, to dance with the actual stars, to seek out new ways for Jeff Bezos to one-up Elon Musk. <laughs> to boldly go where no 90-year-old has gone before. Yes! Right! Uh, sorry for the uh, bad Captain Kirk impersonation there, but uh, I think you get my point. Listen, this is a big deal. I, I made this argument. We have a couple of news meetings every morning. And I made the argument, this is a big deal. Uh, for me and for many of you, I'm in my late 50s. I'm 57. Uh, as I said earlier uh, at the end of the start with Mackling and McGarry and McNabb, um, every day after school, I would go and watch Star Trek at my buddy Jerry Gunderson's house, and he was more into it than I was. But for me, Star Trek and Captain Kirk represented space. And then other, you know, Brett McGarry was saying, uh, for him, it's a different show. But, you know, for a lot of us, for many of you listening right now, 
William Shatner and, and the fact that he gets to go into space at the age of 90, right? Captain Kirk, the guy who played Captain Kirk on Star Trek on TV, um, it, it gets to go into space is, I think, pretty cool. It's it's kind of a big deal. I'd love to hear from you on this. 204 6868 I don't think we'll have time for phone calls here, but we'll try and squeeze your call in on the other side of the 1030 News if you do want to call and talk about this. Is it a big deal for you? Uh, it kind of is for me. I get it. You know, a lot of people have been saying, oh, you know, these are just millionaires. Comp-. Well, sort of what the bit there that I played just, you know, was getting at. Uh, you know, these are rich people competing against each other. you got to have a lot of money just to get up there and, and be in space uh, for a couple of minutes. But I, I think it's a, a big deal. I'd love to hear from you. 204-780-6868. Uh, grab a line. We'll try and squeeze you on after the 1030 news. Uh, or you can text that number, and you can also email me, hal, at cjob.com. But William Shatner has become the oldest person to go into space. 90 years old, Captain Kirk, Star Trek. Uh, he blasted off for the final frontier aboard a ship built by Jeff Bezos's Blue Origin Company. Listen to some audio of Shatner. This is Shatner in the spaceship commenting on the unbelievable ride as the capsule made its way back to Earth. How about that, guys? How about that, guys? That was unlike anything they described. All right, we, we, got, <laughs> we got less than a thousand feet. All right. William Shatner, uh, back on the ground, safe and sound after a quick trip into space. Sheila says, <laughs> Sheila says in a text message here at 204-780-6868, Hal, anything COVID, anything not COVID is exciting. A 90-year-old in space is definitely encouraging. Yeah, no kidding, right? No kidding. Joining us now to talk about the Jets and the regular season getting going tonight, Mr. Jim Toth. Jim, good morning. Good morning, sir. How are you today? Excellence, you know, exciting. If you're a sports fan, exciting times, right? You got you still baseball playoffs, you got football, and now hockey. And I can't believe. I mean, I know it's true, but I can't believe that this is the 11th season for the 2.0 Jets. Yeah, I was thinking that the other day. How when when this was starting, I know they have the logos and everything going on, but we were talking about Cole Perfetti making his NHL debut tonight for the Winnipeg Jets, and even during training camp when he was seated in the dressing room beside Mark Shifley. And he said, I was asking Mark Shifley who his favorite player is uh, growing up and, and who he styled himself after. And I'm like, I remember asking Mark Shifley that when he looked like he was 18 years yeah. old. And so it, it's funny how time flies by. And, and really it, it's funny how this organization has sort of had its peaks and valleys. The first three or four years was just getting you know established and, and trying to rebuild what Atlanta had done to the point where they reached the conference final in 2018. And, and then as every team does, and I think we saw that with the Stanley cup champion, Tampa Bay lightning last night, they lost three players in their third line and they didn't have a lot of jump and they didn't look good. And, and, you know, their coach said, you know, we expect better of ourselves, but you know, every team changes every year, even the Stanley cup champions. And, and I, I see the, the peaks and the valleys and there's been more valleys and peaks in the decade 
But going into this next decade, and especially this next two, three years, I think the Jets are, are, are sort of, you know, it's been an interesting journey, and, and they've primed themselves up to go in their 11th season to be a very good one, and, and probably for the next two to three years minimum. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Cole Perfetti. I want to play a clip. Here he is um, describing what he did. He, he phoned mom and dad as soon as he found out he would be playing tonight. Got a hold of my dad, and, you know, my parents are huge supporters. They work so hard to get me where I am today, and... My dad almost started crying on the phone. It's just, it's a, it's a special day. It's a whole family thing. You know, everyone put the effort in, you know, not just myself. There was a, a lot of people behind the scenes that, uh, you know, got me here. So my dad said, okay, I'm going to look at flights. How cool is that, eh, Jim? Yeah, it's just, it's a great story. And, you know, I love the stories, how like this, but he's also a first-round pick. And whether it was tonight or going forward, he was going to have mm-hmm. an NHL debut. I love stories like this, and I love stories of guys who weren't drafted and found a way and just got an opportunity. And then, lo and behold, they're making the same call. Jansen Harkins is one of those guys. He was drafted. But I remember running into his dad, Todd Harkins, going into um, his third game with the Jets. And he was going. we were going in the building through security at the same time. And I'm like, you're – because he played, I think, 23 games in the NHL. But I remember him, you know, for a couple of games that he played. And uh, he said – and he was just beaming. And I said, man, you must be pretty proud tonight, Mr. Hawkins. He goes, well, turned around and he said, you know what – I only scored, whatever, seven goals in, in 20, or not even three goals in the league, but one of them was in Winnipeg. So he goes, the, the place that I scored my one of my only three NHL goals is where I'm going to watch my son play for the first time, and I mm. couldn't make that flight to see him debut. So it's a very cool story. My immediate reaction is what you're going to talk about next is how do you get in, you got to get a flight from Ontario to Anaheim <laughs> at short notice, but then are you covered insurance-wise? Like, what do you do with COVID? Those were <laughs> yeah. my, my second thoughts. But right. my first thoughts were for sure how like it's just a great it's a, just a great story and you think of all the time they put in watching him play at any level and whether he made mm-hmm. the NHL or not they would still watch him play but what a dream come true and as he said for the entire family yeah and, and you know for me it's not just about the fact that he's going to play in his his NHL game uh, first NHL game tonight. This is a story about all the parents, right, that are up early and take their kids to the rink uh, or the football field or the soccer pitch, right? It's all the coaches that invest all that time at those levels way down there. And those, so many of those players never, ever get to where Cole Perfetti is. But I think it says a lot about the time invested by coaches, parents for their kids, right? For sure. And, 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 you know, there's a cost to it financially, but the cost on your life, it, it becomes your life. Like you, you can say, I'm going to put my kid into a sport or you can say, I'm going to put my kid into something and, and I hope they have fun at it when they do. But it's really the, you're putting yourselves into that too, because they have to get there and they've got to love it. And they've got to, you know, they've had their ups and downs. And I'm sure there's times that Cole Perfetti thought about, do I want to do this anymore? And I'm sure there's times where the parents looked at each other and said, who's driving them today at 5 a.m.? Because I'm so <laughs> yeah, tired. Right. It's all those stories, I think, that all of that is washed away once this happens. And I talked to a friend here yesterday that's going to Edmonton to watch his son make his uh, U-sport debut for the University of Alberta Golden Bears soccer team. And I thought, man, and, and I've known him for the past 10 years about always traveling every weekend with his kid's soccer. And I'm like, man, that's going to be a proud moment to watch this kid make his debut at a university mm-hmm. level. So, it's just a cool story for the support that comes along and, and, and how much dedication it takes for a family, for a young athlete to get to any level. Yeah, great side story for the for the game tonight. Um, back to the Jets as they kick off this 11th season since returning to Winnipeg. Has the team ever looked better on paper? we got to play the games. We'll see what happens. But this team on paper looks amazing, right, Jim? 
Yeah, they do. And and I, I think it's never looked better, Hal, on paper because, you know, there's that team that went to the Western Conference final. There's some teams that should have gone farther that didn't on paper. But the reason this team is so good right now and looks so good on paper is because of the experience. We've been talking about this top six forward crew and how talented they are for three years now. But they're they're established now. Like they there's no off days. There's no wondering like this top six looks so good, but can they do it over eighty two games? There's an expectation here that they can because they've seen a lot of things. They've got that experience. Their depth is at an all time high in the forward core and then their defensive core has never been thicker either with talent and not only talent with people waiting to play for this team. So they've got a, a Vesna caliber goaltender. Uh, I mean, Blake Wheeler said it best on paper. It doesn't mean crap. And that's true, as we saw last night with the Stanley Cup champions facing a depleted Pittsburgh lineup and not getting the win. You still have to play the games and do it. But all you can do up until tonight is put the best team forward on paper, and it looks fabulous. And as they enter their 11th year, I don't remember a more talented, deeper squad uh, over the past decade for the Jets to put on the ice tonight. Well, here's hoping. Jim, thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks. Have a good one. All right, that is Jim Tothy. Curtis Carpet's pregame show begins right here on CJOB at 6.30 tonight. The puck will drop at 9, CJOB, 6.80. CJOB, your radio home of the Winnipeg Jets. With the uh, U.S. border reopening to non-essential land travel early next month, if you do uh, plan on venturing down to Grand Forks or Fargo, maybe to do a bit of shopping, we're going to talk more about that later on. A lot of you are weighing in by text and email on the idea of traveling to the U.S. Um, What about insurance and insurance just generally speaking when traveling? Martin Firestone is the president of Travel Secure. Marty, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Excellent. What is the deal? You know, that's that was the big question this morning as we discussed this reopening. Well, hang on a second. What about insurance? What you know? How are you protected, um, especially now with COVID nineteen, if you travel across the border or or if you get in a plane and travel to another country? Well, believe it or not, this is the least of our problems right now. It is actually so good. Unlike last year where you had to buy a rider to cover you for COVID and it had a cap on it in case you ended up in a hospital for half a million, it would only maybe cover 100000 or 200000 This year, clearly stated, if you've been double vaccinated, it doesn't require any additional purchase of a rider and it covers you up to the full contractual amount, $5 million, $10 million, depending on what company you go with. So when I say it's the least of our problems, the bottom line is with the announcements the last couple of days with respect to mixed vaccines and other things like that, those are real important. But insurance, they can get all day long and it will cover them in the event they get COVID. And that would include snowbirds. Eh? So, like say somebody who's now saying before the snow flies here, I'm going to head down to my, my trailer or I'm going to go to a resort and spend winter in the U.S., in the southern U.S., where it's warmer, or maybe even in another country, as long as they are fully vaccinated, uh, their insurance will cover them, protect them against COVID, eh? Absolutely. And and that's the peace of mind that they needed that they didn't have last year, which is one of the reasons why I'm saying travel is good this year, unlike last year where I had major concerns about the hospitals filling up the capacity, and then people who have the normal heart uh, stroke, those kind of breath, slip and fall, there wouldn't be room for them in a hospital. Those fears are all alleviated this year. So people can go away, good conscience that they're covered, 
absolutely 100% for any unexpected medical emergency. Well, isn't that interesting? I'm so glad I had you on today because I thought we were going to have a whole big, long discussion about this uh, because that would be my concern. And we're asking the question at CGOB.com. It's our question of the day. Um, you know, uh, if you're fully immunized, do you plan on making the trip to the States? And 43% are saying never. 41% say eventually. Just 16% are saying absolutely. And we talked to the head of the Chamber of Commerce in Grand Forks, uh, North Dakota, just south of us here. They're excited to have us back. Um, I think, and we'll talk more about this in a bit, I think a lot of people that maybe made that trip in the past are now finding destinations here within Manitoba or within Canada. And I think a lot of people maybe won't make that trip anymore. But the insurance worries are, are gone. They are gone. The only concern now with this border travel, and I'm not talking to southern destinations, I'm just talking about if you want to go over the border, the dilemma still is, do I need a negative COVID test to come back into the country when I return? Well, if you're only going over for a day, who is going to go over with a family and each spend 150 on a COVID test for the one hour that you were there? It's, it's, it's a real problem that that's got to come out soon, too. Is Canada going to alleviate the need for a negative COVID test to cross the border back in? Because if it does, the border's still closed, in my opinion, to those people who just go over for an afternoon. That would still be problematic. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and the mixing and matching of vaccines, we think they'll probably say in the U.S., yeah, AstraZeneca and Moderna or AstraZeneca and Pfizer are okay because uh, even though they don't use AstraZeneca in the U.S., it's been approved by the World Health Organization. But you're right, we still have to wait for some T's to be crossed and some I's to be dotted. Some people are texting in now, uh, Marty, I don't know if you know about this, some people are texting in now saying, ah, yes, but wait, what about life insurance? Apparently, uh, some people are suggesting that life insurance companies may not cover you. Do you know anything about that? There is no exclusion, and believe me, I sell life insurance also. There is yep. no exclusion whatsoever if death, God forbid, by COVID. There, that is not a problem, and it's never been a problem. Even in the height of COVID, there was never an issue with COVID as far as being covered for it. Absolutely not. Excellent. Marty, thanks a lot for this. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Take care. Martin Firestone is the president of Travel Secure, and great that you were able to uh, throw a text message at me there, and and Marty was able to answer it because sometimes we hear things. This is this is all, this is the misinformation problem, right? We hear things, and then we think, well, Bill, I trust Bill. Bill, you know, seems to know this stuff, and then we we run with it, or or, or we we tell somebody else, and then it becomes, oh, this is the way it is. But so it was nice to have. Marty there to be able to answer the, the life insurance questions as well. Let me get to some of your uh, text messages and emails on traveling to the U.S. It's our question of the day at cgob.com. Uh, here's a couple here. Hal, if people want to cross the border, then that's great. More uh, Don't want to cross the border for me. Uh, that's great for me. More room for me at Menards and Sam's Club. Can't wait. Just hope the government uh, didn't screw us on the mixed vaccines they were preaching uh, for us to take. I, I think that's going to get resolved. I, I can't imagine uh, the U. Listen, this is this makes really good economic sense for the states, right? As a nation, I mean, we talked to the Grand Forks Chamber of Commerce, but they want us down there. And AstraZeneca, I'm an AstraDerna guy, or I'm an Astra, uh, one AstraZeneca and one Moderna. And I think they're going to say, yeah, that's okay, because the World Health Organization says uh, the AstraZeneca vaccine is okay. And actually, the mixing and matching, like me, the AstraZeneca 
and Moderna is actually, they say, more effective uh, than, say, two Modernas or, or two AstraZeneca's. But we'll see. As Marty pointed out, that does still need to be nailed down uh, nailed down completely. Another one here. Hal, good morning. Our group of ladies that used to go to Grand Forks for a long weekend had to change locations because of the pandemic. We decided to give renting a cottage in Gimli a try last year. We had such a fabulous time over the two years of the pandemic that we will continue doing that. It is way more fun. The shopping and dining options in Gimli and Winnipeg Beach are wonderful. And somebody else says, Hal, silver lining of the pandemic, people are rediscovering Manitoba treasures. I agree. And and it would be interesting, our question of the day, it'd be interesting to say to the 43% that are saying, I'm never uh, going to cross the U.S. border again, why? And I'll bet you many of them will have a story like the text message that I just read right there. Jason Kindrichuk joins us now from the University of Manitoba, Assistant Professor, Canada Research Chair, Department of Medical Microbiology and Infectious Diseases at the U of M. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Listen, I'm less exciting than William Shatner, but I'll do my best. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. Come on. You you have uh, been instrumental in getting us uh, through the past almost two years now. I can't believe it's been this long. Uh, you've been a very important voice. Um, how are you feeling about the numbers? You know, I'm, I'm watching what's happening in Alberta and in Saskatchewan, and I had Dr. Jenny on from the University of Calgary last week, and, and it's better there than it was at its worst, and yet... Here in Manitoba, we just kind of chug along. We've got some problems. Some numbers are up and then others are down, but we're doing not bad, right? Yeah, I know the, the national modeling last week actually looked to be, you know, a little bit more optimistic than I think we expected. Certainly, Alberta and Saskatchewan seem like they're starting to plateau. Uh, the unfortunate reality is we're going to still see hospitalizations and still see fatalities, but at least that, that transmission burden seems to be leveling off. Here, yeah, you know, it looks pretty good. And I think part of this is hopefully the, you know, some of the restrictions that got thrown into the Southern Health region, maybe that's helped with, with curbing uh, some, some early transmission. But we've got to stay the course. And I think that's the difficulty is every time that, that I think we've gotten comfortable, you know, the virus will find cracks. So, you know, we, we've got to kind of watch the next couple of weeks. Things hopefully will continue to level out and, uh, and we, you know, continue on, you know, hopefully getting back to normal. Well, and the latest rule in the South is that if you're, uh, if you live with a close contact or if you live with somebody who's showing symptoms of COVID-19, then you need to self-isolate as well. That was announced yesterday. Um, I guess little tweaks like this, but listen, the Southern Health Region is a concern. What, what's happening there? Low vaccine uptake. It's, it's a worry. It, it is. And I think the, to me, the, the concern is that even though we're you know, seemingly coming through the fourth wave nationally, um, we, we will still see local outbreaks. And certainly we know the virus is still in the community. So if it gets into areas where we don't have a lot of protection uh, and we have people that are getting you know, close together and spending a lot of time together, we're going to see transmission. That's what viruses do. So you know, we don't want to lump all the communities in the Southern Health Region together. There's some that have actually done very well for vaccine uptake. Uh, but we have to be cautious that, you know, that this is an area that if it starts to spread, it, we're going to see hospitalizations go up and, and see that burden start to increase. 
Well, and we have to be careful, uh, and you're right to give credit to some communities in the South that have done well, um, but we have to be concerned because the people that live in the South don't necessarily work in the South, and the people that work in the South might be from Winnipeg, right? I mean, this is how a pandemic works. This virus spreads around. That's exactly it. And we have to be appreciative, too, that, listen, we, we, we've done very well for the rest of Manitoba for, for vaccination rates, but we still have a, a proportion of the population that is not vaccinated, including kids. So if you introduce virus, it, it is going to find those cracks as, as long as there's you know, that, that potential for, for transmission. So we, we've got to be cautious. And, and again, it comes down, I think, a lot, unfortunately, to individual choices at this point. Um, you know, if you're feeling unwell, if you think you've had a contact, you know, take don't 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 you know kind of take things and and hope for the best. Be cautious. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned uh, uh, kids uh, five to eleven uh, getting vaccinated. We know that the request has been made in the states. It's expected here of Health Canada uh, from Pfizer. What would you say to a parent out there that might be going? Maybe they went and got the shot, no problem for them, but they might be a little hesitant about their six or seven year old getting the shot. What would you say to them? Yeah, listen. The first thing I would say is talk talk to either uh, you know Dr. Joss Reimer or Isaac Bogosh to get to get some really good medical information. Mm-hmm. Uh, but listen, the, the data that we've seen so far has looked promising, right? So when we you know the issues that we've seen with myocarditis certainly in in kids that were in the teenage years, you know those from the 12 to 17 age group, those have been very very mild, and we've seen really good any sort of adverse events. And those adverse events were, again, a very small percentage of the total number of vaccinations we saw. Plus, we know in the the younger age group, we've gone to a lower dosage. We're going to see the clinical trial data soon. They reported that there was no large adverse events. Um, So I think we have to look at this from from the side of what information do we have uh, to to feel cautious about. And, And I think Again, we look at the vaccines across the, the billions of, of doses that have been given, and they've you know, stood up pretty well to, to concerns about adverse events. So I think for kids, this is one of these situations where, yeah, listen, they, they can get sick. They certainly can transmit. Um, we have an option to be able to protect them. So it comes back to us saying, do we want to do that or are we going to take the chance of them getting COVID and unfortunately potentially being one of those cases where, where they get greater disease? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious, you, you must have about five books you could write on, on what you've been through in the past year and a half or so. Um, what have you learned out of this? You know, as, as hopefully we're through the worst of this. And as you look back, what have you learned? What, anything surprise you through this? There's been a couple of things, right? Listen, I think that certainly the, the chasm that has existed between the, the biomedical research community and the public, I think that we've seen certainly how large that chasm was. I think we've kind of often thought that our information, we're getting it out to the public, that, you know, they can see the papers, they can hear us, you know, when, when we speak in interviews here and there. But I don't think we necessarily understood how important communication was. And that, to me, has been one of the biggest aspects is how can we better serve the public with communication? And then, of course, the aspect of, listen, we've talked for ages about low middle income areas and the concerns about that vaccine equity. We're, we're running the exact same issues that, that we've run you know, throughout history with not being able to get good vaccine access to, to those areas. So it continues to be an issue and, and we, we've got to somehow you know, make, make this a, a better world for everybody. Jason, thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Always appreciate it, Hal. Thanks. Jason Kinderchuk, again, Assistant Prof, Canada Research Chair, Department of Medical Microbiology and Infectious Diseases at the University of Manitoba.
Joining us right now, Chuck Davidson, the president and CEO of the Manitoba Chambers of Commerce. Chuck, good morning. Good morning, Hal. Thanks for coming on today. I appreciate it. Um, I just want to play a clip here of Jonathan Allward at the Canadian Federation of Independent Business, and then I'll tell you a quick story, and then I want to get your thoughts. Given the, the uncertainty over the next year to come, given the amount of debt that so many small businesses have taken on, having these programs in place, I think, would give businesses the confidence needed to keep on going with their business instead of just folding up shop like I think a lot are considering right now. He wants government business supports to continue. They are ending soon. I was talking to a business person the other day who said if these uh, supports don't continue and they expire, that the shoe's going to drop for a lot of businesses. What are you hearing from your members, uh, Chuck? Are, are, Are these government supports in some cases what's keeping at least some businesses operating? Yeah, Hal, I think there's no question that that is something that we are hearing and it is something that needs to continue. I think, you know, through the Chamber Network, some of the things that we've been pushing for as well and will continue to on behalf of businesses is specifically for the wage subsidy program and the rent subsidy program. I mean, those are programs that have been well accessed by businesses and there's there's very much a metric in place in terms of, you know, in terms of revenue that you're allowed to make and then the amount that is sort of offset that you would receive in, in return for that. Well, we're suggesting those programs are due to expire uh, sometime in the next month. We're suggesting those need to continue and be extended until at least spring of 2022. Uh, So at least for another six months, we know that, you know, a lot of times when these programs were first established back 18 months ago, there was always a time frame that we knew that they would would have to be extended to. I don't think anyone at the same time experienced or was able to recognize the, the length of time that we would be dealing with the pandemic and the support that certain businesses in certain sectors were going to need to be able to continue to to operate moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, listen, nobody uh, you know, could have ever predicted what we've been through and, and where we're at all these months later. What do you think the chances are that those programs might be extended? I know there's a lot of pressure on, on government to do it. Yeah, and I, I think there's no question that there's going to be a lot of pressure for this new government to to put these in place. And I'm sure the fact that you're having a a, a minority government as well is, is actually going to be helpful in this measure, because I think all of the parties will recognize that we need to do whatever we can to keep as many Canadians, as many Manitobans employed, to keep as many of those businesses open as well is going to be something that's critical. And, and it's not as a result of businesses uh, not wanting to continue to move forward. When you're looking in terms of some of the restrictions that they've had in place over them over the course of these last 18 months, you know, in Manitoba, Manitoba alone, a number of businesses being closed on three separate occasions, it has a significant impact. And, and you can't just, you know, just because you, you, you kind of get the sense that everything's open now, that everything sort of bounces back and it's business as usual, that's not the case. And it's going to take some time before this is done, which is which is why on top of necessarily asking for those those specific programs to be extended, what we also need to look at is, is the SEBA program. And that's the loan program. So the loan program that the government put in place, and this was something they did early on, so that the ability for business businesses to be able to get a loan that was was interest free, free until December 2022 what we're adjusting is suggesting as well as that needs to be extended for an additional 2 years before the government starts getting payments there's so many businesses that I talk to that have taken on significant amounts of debt to be able to survive through this pandemic it's not as simple as saying okay the pandemic is over we want all of our money now those need to be extended so these businesses have the ability to, you know, to regenerate some of those revenues and to get back on their feet so that they can have long-term success, not just a short-term. 
Yeah, and I've said this before uh, to you and other guests, and then I think there needs to be an investment in the future of business, right? Not just here's uh, you know an amount to get you through the tough stuff. Uh, we need to figure out a way, the businesses that have survived at the end of this, we need to figure out a way to help them thrive again. Yeah, there's no question about that. And, you know, some of the things that we're working on from a chamber perspective and, and working with the provincial government and, and other organizations is, you know, initiatives that would help with, you know, businesses that need to increase their digital footprint and they need to make investments in that. So we're going to be rolling out a program in the not-too-distant future, the sort of a grant program to help businesses if they needed to upgrade their, 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 their e-commerce platform or their CRM systems and those kind of things. And at the same time, looking at rolling out another program that will help in terms of retraining some of those staff and that workforce that you currently have that maybe some of the, the roles that they had doesn't exist any longer so we need to provide some of those supports you know as well as, as i do as well we've been pushing hard on the support local and everything that manitobans can do to help support local businesses as they go through this is going to continue to be something that's important to us as well so you know we're going to need to continue to focus on on helping these businesses over the course of the pandemic and as we continue to to come out of it and it's going to be important that we've got that you know, we're, we're aligned with government and, and not necessarily, uh, you know, what we say, you know, continuing to turn on the taps, but there are certain businesses and certain sectors that are going to need more help than others as they recover. Well, and I'm glad you talked about, you know, buy local, support local, because we've been talking this morning a lot about the fact that the U.S. will allow Canadians non-essential travel by car early next month. And we're, we're asking that, uh, the question at CGOB.com, question of the day. We talked to the Grand Forks Chamber, nothing against them. I, I, I like Barry down there at the, at the chamber, but so many people have been saying, you know what? Um, we tried Manitoba. When we couldn't go to the States, we like it. We, uh, one yeah. text message I read was a woman that gets together with her girlfriends, and they used to go down to Grand Forks. Now they go to Gimli. They've done it two uh, years in a row, and they're going to keep doing that. I think that might be one of the benefits to come from what's happened with the pandemic, not being able to cross the border, not being able to go down there and do a bit of shopping. They're doing it here. They like it, and I think there is a renewed uh, interest in supporting local. There's no question in my mind, Hal, that this is this is one of the one of the benefits that, that, that and there are very few benefits that you've seen from the pandemic is just that importance of staying a little bit closer to home. You know, you talk about from a retail perspective, you know, that more and more people are willing to shop local, to look local, you know, specifically in regards to the tourism as well, and that more and more people are willing to explore their own province and go to places that they maybe not have been in the past. And I think they're starting to look at that as, you know, maybe we're going to do this on a more regular basis because there's still this this, this level of uncertainty of traveling to the states and some of the you know some of the protocols that are going to have to be in place if you if you are going to uh, decide to travel to the to the states as well so i think more and more people are looking at local so it's it's incumbent on us to make sure that we encourage people to do that uh, and that they have good experiences when they do that as well. So, I mean, we all know that Manitoba is a great place for, from a retail perspective, from a tourism perspective. So let's keep encouraging that, and let's keep encouraging Manitoba to support that local mentality. Before I let you go, Chuck, how are things in, in the south, uh, you know, the southern health region? And, and we saw another rule come in yesterday. Uh, how are businesses managing down there? Yeah, my, my sense is that it's, it's still a challenge. There's no question about that. Um, you know, I, I think we, we've continued to, to, to send a message as well that it's, it's important that we get this under control. You know, we've continually said as well, part of the bigger challenge and is, is important as well is that we need to have a focus on enforcement. 
Um, you know, we can't have businesses continually deciding that they're going to break the rules. And we can't have individuals as well that, you know, decide that, you know, maybe they don't want to follow the, the public health protocols. There needs to be significant fines for businesses that decide that they're not going to follow the rules and for individuals as well. We know that this is a challenging time. We know that we need to get vaccination levels up. We know that we need to continue to educate Manitobans about the importance of doing so. And that's really going to be the only path to really having the economy recover in all parts of the province. Chuck Davidson, thanks a lot. Anytime, Hal. Chuck Davidson is the president and CEO of the Manitoba Chambers of Commerce. I wanted to bring my pal Dave Patrician, the sports doctor, on quickly here to start the uh, regular season for the Jets. Dave, good morning. Hal, how are you? Hey, I got a, I got a tip for you. When you read the weather, you just need to say one word, fall. <laughs> yeah, right. That sums everything up, right? Rain, yes. cold, winds, maybe snow, fall. <laughs> and fall. Thank you very much, Dave. See, that's why I have you on. By the way, the first time on the new show, good to have you on here. Thanks a lot for, for jumping on. I, w- I wanted to give you a couple of minutes here because you really like this Winnipeg Jets team on paper. I do, but on paper is one thing, but what happens on the ice is, is another thing. But I really do believe that they put together – uh, a tremendous team this year. The the acquisitions, we've seen the development of the guys that came from the Moose and the, the Cole Perfettis of the world and things like that. And uh, and the acquisitions, um, particularly Nate Schmidt, the, the addition of Nate Schmidt, who's going to play with Josh Morrissey on the blue line, I think that gets me most excited because, you know, Josh Morrissey had kind of a, probably an awkward 18 months. There have been some troubles with some family illnesses and things like that. And maybe that, and I, and I can never say, I don't know him personally, so I don't know if his head's not in the game, but he sure played like that. And I see Josh Morrissey now playing with Nate Schmidt. I see a guy kind of reborn. I, 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 I can have that smile that he had uh, several years ago, um, the quick wittiness in the interviews and stuff, that seems to be back. And, of course, Nate Schmidt, um, you know, after the Jets games, he could be doing a standard routines at Rumors or something like that. Just, uh, <laughs> he's just one great, heck of a great interview. But uh, I, I really, really think that this team is really good. You've seen some, some additions. Um, you know, we're going to see what can Riley Nash can do for us. We can see what Brendan Dillon can do for us. Um, and then, you know, essentially, we've got most of the team back from last year, you know. Yeah. And, you know, we, we, when we smoked the Edmonton Oilers, there's no two ways about it to say it. Um, this was a very, very good hockey team. And then we just ran into a snowplow. That was the Montreal Canadiens who, you know, eventually went on to the Stanley Cup final. And then, you know, we see in uh, game number one would best be described as a brain uh, cramp, we'll say, with uh, Mark Shifley taking out one of the Canadians. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see these guys. I think they're focused. I think we've got the, the coaching staff. I, I, I do believe that Paul Maurice really got into a, a, a great routine in the last couple of years. And um, he's shown he's been able to coach, uh, coach the veterans and coach the newcomers. Uh, the organization is great. We'll see if uh, Connor Hellebuck can regain the form that uh, won him the Vesna Trophy a couple of seasons ago. Um, I believe he can. I I think that, uh, you know, um, when he gets rattled with some poor defensive play, I think we see a little crack sometimes in Connor Hellebuck. And I think the upgrade with uh, Nate Schmidt on the blue line uh, will really, really um, help Connor Hellebuck's game. Hey, and Dave, you got to keep this to 30 seconds because I'm tight on time here. I want to talk football quickly here before I let you go. Um, O'Shea's giving uh, this uh, place kicker another chance. Murata, what do you think of that? 
I, I, I don't, you know, the only time you know a kicker's name is when he's bad, and that's the only time we're talking about the kicker. <laughs> really? You know, the kid, if you need the kicker to win some football games for you, you're not a good, very, very good football team. And we're a great football team. We've uh, outscored our opponents in the fourth quarter, 81-6, to six, where there's, I think that point differential is 143 points. Do we really need this guy? Like, you know, we could punt, we could punt from the 30-yard line and get a single. We could do that. <laughs> and I really think this kid has some talent. You can see it in the practice. You can see that. Maybe it's just some big league, maybe some jitters or something like that. Let's yeah. just go. Let's not worry about the kicker. Okay. Let's worry about the Edmonton Elks. All right. I just feel like we got to worry about it a bit now because there's oh. going to come time in a game where we're where we're going to go. Why didn't we deal with this sooner? But uh, listen, I'm I'm going to go with Coach O'Shea on this. He hasn't steered me wrong yet. Dave, thanks a lot. Thanks, Al. Dave Patrician, the Sports Doctor. Give him a follow on Twitter at the Sports Doctor.